see it, friends, and welcome to the world transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, one that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. At the world transformed, we want to introduce you to what may be the greatest transformation of them all. The one that begins with considering and acting on the almost limitless possibilities that lie before us and that ends somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So, when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-author, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. How are you, my friend? Man, I am doing great. Uh, Enjoying... uh you know, enjoying a, a week of uh, of time with the family, uh, enjoying that, you know, a week or two of vacation time. I'm experiencing one week of it uh, this week and uh, having a good time with that. So, yeah, everything's great. Well, how about this? You don't let the fact that you're on vacation stop you from podcasting. That is... Uh, man, this is a labor of love, man. We, uh, you know, we, we, we enjoy doing this, you know, so... It's, it's just more fun time, exactly. <laughs> That's right, exactly. So we'll, you know, we'll get the show done, and you can get back to your family. I guess that's the that's the key here. Although <laughs> that's right, know, I'm sure they they want the show too. They need to listen in. We, you know, they need their weekly fix. Oh yeah, so we gotta we gotta help them out. Well, tonight we're gonna talk about the brain, and you know we've done quite a few shows about the brain over the years, and we've talked quite a bit about things like the hard problem of consciousness. We've talked about scanning brains, uploading minds by way of destructive scans of brains. We've talked about whether there are quantum phenomena going on in the brain. And what I love about what we're going to be be getting into tonight is that there seems to be no end of weird discoveries about the brain. I think we may may only be at the early stages of discovering weird things about the brain, where, where we would think that by now... We should know it all pretty well, and we should be getting it under control. That's not the case at all. It seems that the brain proves to be like an undiscovered country, like like a new continent that we're just we, – we've only been to the coast, and we're just starting to get into the inland just a little bit, and what we're discovering there is unlike anything we've ever seen before, isn't it? Well, and the human brain is probably the most complex thing – that uh, you know, you could probably hold in your hand. I mean, you know, I mean, you know what I'm saying. It's the uh, <laughs> held a lot of brains in your that, hand, have you, Stephen? Is that a thing you yeah, do? Yeah, it, it went unintentionally dark there for a second. I'm so sorry. Yeah. But anyway, any rate, but you know, it, it it just is. It's the it's uh, it is the networks that uh, make a, uh, make up in a uh, make up a brain are just endless, and it's and it may be uh, even more complex than we thought. And that's what this first story is about. Human brain discovered to operate in 11 dimensions, multiverse-like structures, a world we never imagined. This was over on Daily Galaxy. And this is a story coming out of Switzerland. Some scientists who've been looking at the brain and studying it from the standpoint of advanced mathematical modeling, kind of looking at what goes on inside the brain from that standpoint. And what they have discovered is that the brain operates on up to 11 different dimensions. Now, people reading that, you don't want to be confused. You don't want to say, well, how could they possibly know that? How could they detect something going on in the brain in different dimensions? We're talking about dimensions in terms of mathematical constructs, right? So so the brain is working on 
different dimensions in, in the same way if you looked at a, cal a completely hypothetical set of calculations using an 11-dimensional model. It, it simply means that, that, that's kind of the, that that's kind of the order of complexity that it's, that it's working on. But because it does that, it's creating these multiverse-like structures for processing information as it goes. What's going on inside your brain is the formation of these, according to this research, these, these temporary networks, these, these temporary multidimensional structures that drive whatever's going on when we think. Uh, and it says that if, if we are to look at the brain with these kind of low-dimensional representations, we're only going to get a, a tiny picture. You know, if we, if we look at the brain and try to assess what's going on there from the standpoint of three or four dimensions, we're going to miss out. We, we can see some of the information, but we're not going to get the full picture because we're not seeing all those different relationships that would exist if you, if you take it up to 11 dimensions. So the brain becomes... I don't even know how you describe that. What's the word? It's not an order of magnitude. It's it's geometrically multi I mean multidimensional. There's there's no other way to say it. It's uh, it's it's multiple dimensions more complex than we ever imagined. What do, what do you what does that say, multiple, Stephen? Does, multiple order of magnitudes, perhaps. No, multiple again, orders. Let, yeah, magnitude. Yeah, it's and we want to be careful to say again what you just said, Phil. That. We're not suggesting that the organ itself is anything more than in three dimensions. It's the or, you know the the organ of the brain itself is in three dimensions, but is operating in multidimensionally. Well, think of it this way: a you know a two-dimensional sheet of paper, you can you can write upon it ideas that you know are very complex, right? Including yeah, you can express three dimensions, four dimensions, I guess any number of dimensions on a two-dimensional yeah. sheet of paper. That's right. It, and so it gets more and more means? abstract as you go, right? You can, you can sort of picture three dimensions. It gets pretty hard to picture four. And after that, our brains can't even draw a picture in our head of what, say, five dimensions would look like. But, we, but, but, but you're right. You can model it mathematically. You, 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 can, you can put a representation of it down on paper, and that's just two dimensions, exactly. Right. And so something like that maybe is happening in a three-dimensional brain, you know, mathematically. And, right. Uh, and that's, uh, that's, but that's still amazing. And, um, you know, I, and I don't think that this is, I think this is unique research. I'm not sure that uh, anyone's ever gone off in this direction before. And uh, so. Yeah, uh, to me this feels like something new. And it, and it feels like if, if these guys are right, these Swiss researchers are correct, they have, found something fundamentally very interesting about the brain. And 11 dimensions is interesting in its own right because string theory puts us there, right? String theory tells us that we live in an 11, some, some string theory models. There's the seven-dimensional universe, and then there's the 11-dimensional universe, depending on uh, which brand of string theory you prefer. But, but that's an interesting coincidence, isn't it, <laughs> that there's, there's this whole cosmological theory, this whole theory of everything in physics that describes the universe we live in as being an 11-dimensional 11, 11 universe. And these folks doing research into the brain say, hey, it looks like it's abstracting about 11 different dimensions. Coincidence? What do you think? <laughs> it, may, it may be that uh, in an 11-dimensional in a universe, the brain can't do any better. Uh, oh. You know, it might, it, that might be the best that can be done 
uh, with processing inside of the 11-dimensional universe. I don't know. Uh, this is pretty much beyond me, Phil, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say it. It's, uh, this, is, this is some deep stuff here. Well, well here's, here's another question that rises in my mind, and, and actually you kind of clarified the issue for me. When you said what you said, which is exactly right, our brain is a three-dimensional structure. As far as we know, that's it. I mean, yeah. maybe string theory will tell us that it's actually somehow an 11-dimensional structure. But as far as we're concerned, looking at it, it's a three-dimensional structure. The brain is three-dimensional. But what, what about the mind? Does yeah. this tell us maybe that the mind works in additional dimensions? And if so, could that possibly tell us something about why our minds are what they are? Specifically, could, could this be telling us something about how consciousness works? Is it possible that... Consciousness requires this multidimensional processing within a within a 3D brain in in order to occur. It's another possibility, anyway. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the possibility. I like where you're going with that. I <laughs> I, I like the uh, uh, I, I like the sophistication to critique that idea, Phil. I just uh, but I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> like most of what I say, let's face it, Stephen. I mean. <laughs> No doubt, no doubt. <laughs> you don't. You don't always have to be saying that all the time. I mean, that's just that's kind of a given. But, that's just kind of kind of a given, right? But seriously, I kid. Um, <laughs> doesn't it feel though like consciousness is at least a three-dimensional phenomenon? I, I know this is just a weird subjective thing I'm saying, but it it feels like added dimensions would sort of somehow ex- account for some portion of it anyway. You, you know what I mean? There, it, it it feels intuitively as though dimensions might have something to do with the strangeness of consciousness. Anyway, it well, feels like a, a, a fruitful line of potential line of inquiry. Yeah, I, no doubt, no doubt. And certainly, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about how, you know, parallelism within the brain, you know, has to be a big part of why we're conscious. Because, right. uh, you know, our, our brains just don't process very fast compared to computer uh, you know, an individual neuron firing is like the, like the slowest thing ever, right? Right. But uh, we think very very sophisticated and in uh, ways that uh, that machines cannot yet. And uh, it has to be, and uh, and the fact that uh, there's so much parallel processing going on within our brain. But what if uh, what if it's just, it's also um, you know multidimensional structures that are that are to uh, part of the picture, and we haven't even we, you know, this is we're just beginning to crack into that, and uh, it, it, it would explain uh, the difficult prop, uh, you know, problem of consciousness, right? I mean, that's the uh, the hard problem of consciousness. Uh, would it be explained in part? Why is it so hard? Maybe, maybe because we have we don't you know have not even gotten our our heads around what's going on in our heads. So, yeah, because we've been we've been thinking of it in very flat terms, right? And it's it's. It's broader and deeper, and other things that we don't have words for because we've only got we've only got words for three dimensions. But it's those other dimensions too that 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 all come into play. At least that's a that, that's a possibility to speculate about, and and it's fun to speculate about the brain. So what we're going to do is, with the rest of our time, we're going to look at two more stories, one of which just goes nuts with speculating about the brain, and then the other one which gives some more practical advice about the brain. So we'll end on a uh, we'll bring it back down to earth before we before we wrap the show, but. Meanwhile, Mr. Futurist, if you go to MrFuturist.com, this is an interesting blog, has been reading up on this research that was reported in Daily Galaxy and elsewhere and has come up with some pretty 
nifty, wacky speculations on what this whole multidimensional brain means. And now and, we're and we do not uh, we do not shy away from the wacky. We really don't. <laughs> well, you know, we we embrace the wacky. We we embrace the down to earth too. But uh, once in a while, you just you got to say, hey, this is this is fun stuff because. Okay, so far so good. We've kept it we've we, we've we've kept it speculative, but I don't know what's the word I'm looking for non non out there. Now now we're going to go out there. Okay, now now we're going to go out there and we're going to say, okay, look, if our brain is operating in eleven dimensions, if it's, it's if if it's if it's operating in multi dimensions, is it possible that our minds are operating in multi dimensions? And does that mean that we are somehow? And I'm just going to read this consciously and unconsciously living in a multiverse of infinite parallel realities all the time. They're all around us. We don't usually consciously experience them because what we call consciousness only allows us to experience one simulation at a time. I'm going to read a bit more. This is just so, so much fun. Your consciousness is split into millions, perhaps billions of simulated realities or dimensions. Many of these dimensions are very similar, almost identical to the one your conscious, consciousness, I think, or your conscience is, no, consciousness is experiencing right now, but many of them are lower and higher dimensions of consciousness that don't resemble anything you can even imagine. Your lower planes of conscious are in zero, one or two dimensions, together they make up your present third-level dimension conscious. Just because the lower dimensions of consciousness make up a third-level dimensional consciousness doesn't mean that your consciousness isn't still in multiple lower dimensions within zero, one, or two. Anyway, it, 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 it goes on, but I think, I think you get the idea. Are we experiencing some small slice of what we're actually experiencing? I guess that's, that's kind of what's implied, where... You, you start to picture that we are these kind of 11-dimensional beings, and the subjective experience that I think of as myself is actually maybe one slice, right? One face of the cube, if you will, right? One one one-dimensional slice of, or excuse me, one three-dimensional slice of the this much larger multi-dimensional being. At least that's that that was how I read Mr. Futurist's uh, take on this thing. What do you think? Is that is that possible that we're we're, we're we're just kind of a shadow of our larger multidimensional self, and that research into the brain is now showing us that that must be our actual true state of being? What do you think? <laughs> well, first, Phil, I'm, I'm not going to be used for the rest of the show because I made a drinking game out of you saying consciousness just now. <laughs> I was just reading. I was just reading. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't have done that. Yeah. <laughs> no, if he says conscious twice in the same sentence, you've got to kill your drink, too. I don't know if yeah, you knew that just, rule. but then. Just go on. Yeah, I'm just go yeah. Um, It's good. I mean, this is, uh, you know, I, I, although this is wacky, this yes. is not so wacky uh, based on, you know, I mean, he, he extrapolates based on what these Swiss researchers are talking about. Right. And it seems that he does actually, uh, Mr. Futurist ha has the concept down correctly of, uh, you know, the, we're not talking about the brain being in multi-dimensions. He, he's he's talking about how it processes, the mind uh, processes. So when he's talking about first-dimensional things like, uh, you know, zero or one on or off or whatever, that's that first dimension. And then you come on up, and uh, and so the mind is operating in much higher dimensions than that. And uh, so I think he gets that. Uh, but but uh, something that I think that he goes off in a different direction that – the Swiss researchers are not talking about necessarily are parallel realities. 
and how right. you know maybe we uh, maybe we can access these parallel realities with uh, these higher level uh, dimensions of you know of consciousness. Uh, the Swiss researchers would cringe, I think, a little bit at that. There's not that's not what they're saying. Although you know what, I'm not I'm not ready to uh, tell Mr. Futurist he's wrong either. Um, I, you know, again, we are just uh, we're we're just coming ashore uh, here for the first time with a vast continent of possibilities. I think you said earlier, right? Uh, exactly. So, you know, starting already, starting with the brain and letting the brain lead us to wherever it leads us, right? That's the, that's right. So I'm not ready to say uh, Mr. Futures is wrong. I, I I'm saying he's saying some things that are not uh, supported by the research yet. Uh, but uh, you know, you got to speculate, and that's what he's doing here. So, uh, yes, ex- uh, exactly. He's he's doing he's yeah. having some fun speculating, and it's some it's some wonderful speculation. You should follow the link and read yeah. it. But but I will say this: if higher dimensions, extra dimensions, whatever you want to call them, additional dimensions exist, then almost by definition, there must be other three-dimensional spaces besides the one we're, we're occupying. It, it, it almost demands that there are, we got in this discussion the other night about whether we call them parallel universes, but adjacent universes. There, there must be other ones. In fact, if the dimensions exist, then you can easily imagine an infinitude of these additional Hubble spaces, right? That are that are sitting out there adjacent to the one that uh, we're currently in, only in a only in a different dimension. If that's true, if there actually are higher dimensions, then our reality exists in some greater context that we don't have much information about now. May never be able to get much information about, and so science has a hard time with this because rationally we want to talk about things that we can test, that we can get data. For and so forth, and this yeah. becomes somewhere in the vicinity of, you know, somewhere between idle speculation and a complete waste of time. Except for when string theory tells us, well, there, these uh, these additional dimensions actually do exist. And then when brain research comes along and says, and actually our brains function in those dimensions, there's no proof yet that that these additional dimensions exist. There's no proof that these additional universes exist. But we seem to get more and more little hints that it might be the case as we go along. So as wacky as what Mr. Futures is talking about here, it's not excluded, right? It's like this yeah. is one possible extrapolation from what these folks are talking about. It's not, it's not an extrapolation that my skeptic friends would like at all. But my wacky friends, you know, Jim Elvidge, I'm sure – I'm sorry not to call Jim Elvidge wacky, but uh, – I, I, he probably wouldn't mind. Uh, he would yeah, like this. He would. That's all I'm saying. If he, <laughs> yeah, he would. Yeah, he would. <laughs> Our good friend would like this. Uh, he, would, he would embrace the wackiness, and that would be just fine with him, I think. So, um, I, You know what? Yeah. I've got to think of another name when we get wacky so that I'm not always calling Jim wacky. We, I, I do have other wacky <laughs> friends. I'm going to have to broaden that, uh, broaden, deepen that bench he, just a little he's bit. A, he's a fearless speculist. Let's call it he that. is. A, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he, he, and he uh, is our go-to out there guy. So can't say enough good things, good things about Jim. So I, I think we'll just we'll leave it there. We're not we're not saying that what Mr. Futurist is saying is correct. We're just saying it's interesting, and that this kind of speculation is increasingly called for because of what science is telling us, both about the universe and about our brains. So read the piece and see what you think. Now we're going to wind it back to Earth. Okay, we'll, we'll, <laughs> okay. we'll get we'll, we'll get very practical here. 
Do you want a lifetime of better brain function? Science says stop doing this. It's not what you think. Now, Stephen, did you have an idea in your mind when you read that headline what the thing would be? Well, you know, I, 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 I thought to myself, stop uh, doing drinking games when Phil saw <laughs> uh, That's one thing. <laughs> or, I don't know. Stop hitting yourself in the head. Stop watching I, reality television, huh? I yeah, think. Exactly. Right. There's, lo- there's lots of things you could stop doing that would improve your brain function, I promise you. Uh, holding your breath until you pass out. You don't do that. Um, <laughs> don't you know, do that. So. That's, that's right. That's right. So. Uh, those, those are, don't smoke crack, for example, would probably be a good way to have a Kids lifetime of do better drugs. brain function. Just don't do Kids, it. as we've said so many they times, know. don't do drugs. Yeah. That's right. Uh, just so. stay out of Colorado, basically, I think is our advice. <laughs> these days. Uh, but Rocky Mountain High. But I think, I, think, I think the operative word here is lifetime. So if you want yeah. your brain to keep working well your whole life, yes, everything we just said is, you know, don't damage it is true. But assuming you already knew all that, don't damage your brain, what's something you can do that will make your brain work better? And the advice is very straightforward. It's get out of your comfort zone. Do things outside of your comfort zone. Stop only doing what's easy and pleasant. If you're in a great routine at work, break out of it by adding new responsibilities. If you've got an effective workout that you can do without even giving it much thought, add some new elements or up the ante by making it longer and more intense. Now, this is simultaneously comforting and annoying news, right? Because on the one hand, and the older I get, the more I hate reading things like this. Because I'm like, oh, really? Do I have to? (laughs) I've, let me tell you, after a few decades, you get very comfortable with your comfort zone, right? I mean, it's... Uh, that's, it's that's why they call it that, you know? That's so. why they call it a comfort zone. But yeah. it it couldn't be you, more you, true. You routinely chase the kids off your lawn, you know? Yeah. Party, you know <laughs> things you're comfortable with now. <laughs> One of the things that I thought was really interesting about this was that there's an emotional component to it. That yeah. in, in, in some sense, it's these, it's these emotions that you are invoking, that you are bringing about when you push your workout in a new direction. It's, it's a no pain, no gain kind of thing. Or when yeah. you expose yourself to activities that you're not used to, not completely comfortable with, or not comfortable with at all. That, that it takes a certain amount of courage, a little bit of gumption to get out there and do those things. That, that, that those emotional responses are juicing you up. And they are helping to create new connections in your brain, to strengthen old connections, reinforce things that are good, but also lay out some new paths. And that is what's going to make your brain healthy and keep your brain working well, working in an optimal way well into your later years. If you don't do this, the the comfortable paths, they just get more comfortable and they get more comfortable. And what that actually means is they kind of get smaller and smaller. That, yeah. that you, you, your brain, you know, it wears out and it, it just it, it kind of falls into a, a very comfortable groove, which requires less and less effort. So you have to physically work against that. And it, I think it is in, in many ways a kind of a physical effort. And, there, you know, there was a time when um, that wasn't as big of a problem as it is now. But the, the speed yeah. of change in our society is, I mean, you know, we, there are things that you begin learning in college now, Phil, that are passe by the time you're handed your diploma. Right. Amazing. You know, I mean, you could, you know, um, you know, 70, 80 years ago, 
uh, you could uh, you could not only get your diploma without much changing, but you could finish your career without much changing. Right. And that's just not the case anymore. You know, there's there's this idea of uh, fluid and crystallized intelligence that that's, that's you know in, in uh, psychiatry that uh, is basically you know you, as you get older you get really good at what you've done all your life. You get better and better at that. And but your ability to to embrace the new and to try new things it decreases over time. And and you gotta you gotta continue to try to you know fight against that particularly now because uh you get left behind you get i've seen people in my parents generation just um if if they were you know not for example you know learning the computer you know uh picking that up at at uh at the you know if they were not 20 years ago uh picking up computers at at, at the age we're currently at phil then right. uh, now they're kind of they're kind of lost with and yeah. uh and you know uh, my my uh my kids uh will you know have to help uh help my folks uh you know with their telephones uh with their and uh, with their cell phones and everything uh you know they've got it into some sort of snarl you know and, right and it's uh, and it's constant and it's and it's kind of kind of funny but in some ways it's it's not funny um and uh and and I've seen it with with you know not just my folks but that entire generation of people. The They're thing is, this, bit, new, this new technology comes along. It's not easy. It's not intuitive right. to, to someone who hasn't been raised with it. Right. And it feels like it's more of a hassle than anything else. It feels like it's an intrusion yeah. into the reality that you've always known. You, you've, you know how to do things. I mean, why do I right. need a little machine to help me do what I've always done with this paper and pencil? You right. know, I mean, I, and, uh, and, and for a while, you may be right. You know, because maybe what the, the way of doing it with a machine is harder with not a lot of gain at the beginning, right? Right. The right. Fir- first, uh, the first generation of uh, spreadsheets or something, whatever. It's, it wasn't all that great, but uh, you know, uh, you you, you uh, travel through two or three generations of spreadsheets inside of five years, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, if you if you weren't on board with that, um, you know, uh, the, and you're an accountant, let's say. That's my, that might be a pretty big problem, and uh, and so it's uh, it's something that you struggle against. Um, you know this uh, picking up new things all all along, and it's you got to be careful to continue to challenge yourself because if you don't, then uh, you can find yourself a little bit uh, marooned. You and, find uh, yourself you you find yourself disadvantaged, and right. here's the here's the better here's the it's almost like the big bonus here is if you take these things on, and this is going to apply as much to us as to people 20 years younger than us as it does to people in our, in our parents' generation, you've got to take on the, the irritating new technology that, that, that seems, or, or ways of doing things that, that seem intrusive and that seem superfluous because it'll help you keep up. But also, added bonus here, it makes your brain last longer, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's the thing. It it helps you it helps you live a longer and healthier life if you do that. Even if you're right and it's a waste of time, if you get if you get out of your comfort zone and take it on, because I can imagine you know doing something like getting really good at Instagram, for example, 
which I don't do. I don't do Instagram. But it's possible that becoming a real Sharpie in Instagram would do exactly that, right? It would move me out of my comfort zone, and I'd have to, I'd have to go at it. And even if there was no real benefit for me economically or socially or any other way from becoming a big Instagram guy, I'd still get this benefit of stepping out of my comfort zone, and, and it's, it's good for my brain. So you can't lose with this. That's, I, I think that's the way to look at this. If, well, you know, this, this sparked something in my crystallized brain, Bill, uh, when, uh, oh, yeah? I, when I read this story. Uh, a quote from uh, one of my favorite cult classic movies, right? Uh, Duke Leto Atreides talking to uh, his son Paul, okay? So they're about to, they're about, about to move from uh, uh, the planet that, you know, their native planet, and they're going go to go to Dune. This desert planet. By the and, way, the uh, planet is Caledon that they're moving thank from. You. Thank you very much, Caledon. You just got the geek points right there, Phil. Thank no you. No problem. And uh, so he says, uh, concerning Caledon, I'll miss the sea, but a person needs new experiences. They jar something deep inside, allowing him to grow. Without change, something sleeps inside us and seldom awakens. And I have to agree. Yeah. So. Duke Leto Atreides, a wise man. You know what? I think we're going to give him the last word on what we need to do with our brain. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I, I think he said it better than better than either of us could. Okay. Well, that actually we're we're out of time, so that uh, that sums it up perfectly. Thank you. Uh, what do you call it, Duke? Your grace for that uh, <laughs> for that insight. Well, this has been fun, and we're going to be back with a brand new show on Wednesday. So look forward to being with you all then. Stephen, great talking with you. And until next time, live to see it.